Okay, 272. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so uh, last time we left off uh, in Galatians chapter 3, there was so much in the text. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 is one of the most uh, dense, uh, debated, and uh, rich um, chapters in all of your Bible. And uh, Paul is in the midst of still in Galatians chapter four uh, and then in the end of three uh, defending his gospel. Right. He is defending his gospel against over and against these Judaizers who have come into the Christian churches of Galatia and they're bringing in a false gospel, according to Paul. And they're trying to say that Gentiles, in order to receive the blessings of Abraham, to be justified by to be justified, to be a part of the people of God, must adopt uh, Torah like prescriptions. Right. Uh, or works of the law. And. You know, it's interesting because Paul is making this argument and he talked about how we're not justified by the works of the law, but by Messiah, the Christ faith. Right. And here what he what he comes to, to do is he anticipates like a good uh, thinker, the pushback. And so one may ask, according to Paul, what was the point of the law, Paul? <laughs> like, why would God give it if it was already if the promises were already made to Abraham and those promises uh, were, were, were made to his seed and all these things? Like, why would God even give us the law? What was it was meaningless. It had to be, Paul. And Paul is like, yo, yo, I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> I'm way ahead of you, fam. And according to Paul, what he says at the end of three, we're going to get to four. But what he says at the end of three is he says, no, no, no the law served an interim function in a specific place and time in redemptive history that Israel, the people of God, were under. And the law's function was to be in place, according to Paul, until the seed whom the promises was made had come. Look at verse 319. I ain't pulling this out of thin air. Why then was the law given? It was added for the sake of transgressions. Why? Then the, listen to this. Until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. And then look what he says in 21. He says, is the law therefore contrary to God's promises? Meganoito, right? Absolutely not. For if the law had been granted with the ability to give life, then righteousness would certainly be on the basis of the law. In other words, he says, no, no, the law gave, had an interim function until the seed came, which, you know, based on 316 is the Messiah. And he says, also, though, the law couldn't give you and it. It couldn't give you eschatological end time righteousness that comes through the Messiah and it couldn't give you eternal life. Right. That that's only that only comes through Christ. And he's like, yo, that just wasn't its role. <laughs> Don't be mad at me. Right. I'm just explaining the scriptures. Right. Um, you want the law to do something it can't do and something it was never intended to do. Right. And this is what he's saying. And this is what he's saying to us, too. Right. Like no amount of Torah observance for us. <laughs> right. Can make us righteous or give us the eternal life that only Christ could give us. And notice he goes on. In Galatians chapter four, he 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 goes on to say, no, 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 no. At the right time, at the appointed time, at the climax of history, you know what God did when the time came to completion. I love I love other translations that talk about in the fullness of time. God sent his son, born of a woman, born of the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. It's so good because. um. In other words, 
uh, Paul's going to say one, one of the, one of the big things that Paul is doing, let me back up for a second. One of the big things Paul is doing in the book of Galatians is showing that we have to understand where we are in the history of God's redemption. We are in what, uh, I, I said this before at the beginning of the new Testament, we are in, according to the new Testament writers, the last days, the S the, 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 the latter days, uh, that was, that was prophesied over and over throughout the old Testament, the messianic age, we are in, uh, this period, right? And we are in the fullness of time, right? Like Galatians 4, uh, Paul would say. And what, what Paul is saying here is that Christ uh, was sent to provide a redemption, right? That the law can't provide and was never meant to provide. Not only that, he says we can become Abraham's sons, um, not not just so that we could become Abraham's sons, but so that we could become God's sons, right? Through the spirit of his son, capital S. And he continues with the dense argument and he will uh, go go from there and juxtapose this idea of slavery and sonship. And what's interesting is that, you know, Paul just intertwines so many biblical metaphors and you have to kind of like read him carefully and really think through what he's saying. If we remember uh, another Old Testament, too, if, if we remember, though, the law was given to Israel after they were set free from bondage. And so how one may ask is seeking to be justified by the law um, to to or, or come under the law to how, how does that lead to slavery right and speaking to the greek believers he he mentions that no no like to seek the law to be justified um would be like you going back to the elemental spirits of the world right uh that you once served and that you were once enslaved to as well and he'll answer i think later but 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 let me just keep following for a second in in, in the back half of chapter four he contrasts two different people he'd go to hager hager hagar and sarah <laughs> and he uses them allegorically to speak of two different covenants and in verse 21 he says something interesting he says tell me you who want to be under the law don't you hear the law in other words paul is doing all of this um and saying like hey you guys who want to be under torah read torah <laughs> like literally that's what he says and he says go back to the abrahamic narrative again right and he says basically one last time like no no like if you are in the Messiah, if you are in Christ, if you, if you, if you follow the lineage of the promise, right? Uh, you, you, if you're in Christ, you follow the lineage of the promise in the same way that Isaac does. And if not, right, you're, you're following in the same way that Ishmael does, right? And he says, Judaizers, essentially y'all who want to be Abraham's children, y'all are Abraham's children. Y'all are just illegitimate children, right? If you remember the story of Sarah and Hagar, Hagar, um, was 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 Abraham's concubine, and he had a a child through her, and that was illegitimate. That was not the child that God promised Abraham, the one that the promises would be carried forward through. And he's saying y'all are like Ishmael, right? And y'all are devoid of the spirit, right? And he says, no, no, no. just like then, um, the children that was those the the child that was born of the flesh persecuted the one born of the spirit. Same as now. So in other words, he's saying that uh that Isaac was born of the spirit, right? And we are too, as true Christians. Now, chapter five. I'm, I'm going to get back to that point about slavery. Uh, chapter five, Paul comes through and drives home the point and mentions that for freedom, Christ has set us free. In other words, the purpose of Christ's liberating work on a cross in his resurrection and in the outpouring of his spirit was so that we would live as liberated people. Now, he says, if cats want to get circumcised and seek to live under the law for justification, they're going to have to keep the whole thing. Right. And Paul is going to say that trying to live under the law for a Christian is the equivalent of trying to get back to Egypt for an Israelite, right? That's like trying to go back to Egypt, 
right? And he's saying, no, no, it is by faith and loyalty and allegiance to this Messiah through the power of the spirit that we eagerly await the hope of righteousness and experience true freedom. He says, verse 13, for we were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Let me stop right there. Listen, the gospel is about freedom. We have to use those categories and those metaphors because that's what the Bible uses and counteract the, 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 the type of freedom that the culture uses uh, that is devoid of God and true spirituality in Christ. Only don't use this freedom, he says, as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. In other words, Paul is like, no, no, no. Let me clarify. Like I, I've said all these things about the law and the Torah, how you're not justified. He's like, but don't become an antinomian, right? An antinomian basically is someone who is anti-namas. Namas is law, right? So don't become one who's anti-law, meaning don't think, oh, snap, we saved by grace. We don't have to keep Torah specifically to be justified or a part of God's people to inherit the blessings of Abraham. Say less, right? We can just do what we want. Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Free people don't abuse their freedom, Right. You were you were made free to live as if you were free. Right. And he says, use the freedom you have um, and the burden that you are under to serve one another. Right. And the letter of the law, listen, was 613 commands. We know that from the Torah. But the spirit of the law was always love. This is why he can say that love fulfills the Torah. So in other words, so so he goes back and it's so dense, but he goes back and circles back and says, no, no, at the end of the day, like the Torah was a good thing. How do I know? Because you through the spirit will fulfill it. Right. Paul believes that spirit filled Jews and Gentiles will fulfill the actual Torah and everything will be all in all. Right. And so. He's smooth, though, because he, he he quotes the Torah and even saying this, right? He, he quotes Leviticus and he says that the whole purpose of it was so that you would love ultimately. Anyway, and I love what he says in 516, because this will govern what he says for the rest of the book. He says, I say that walk by the spirit. The whole Paul's whole point is saying, fam, that God is doing all of this through his son and through the spirit that now lives in you. He says, now walk by the spirit in light of everything I've just explained, all the dense argumentation from the scriptures. Walk by the spirit. Christian, listen in today. Walk by the spirit. God doesn't provide you his spirit to simply live in you, but he provides you his spirit so that it can lead you. Right. Paul wants you to be led by the spirit. Some say, KP, what you mean? What you mean? What you mean? What you mean? And <clears throat> one, one, one uh, theologian says it this way. In Paul's vocabulary, to walk in the spirit or be led by the spirit means to go where the spirit is going, to listen to his voice, to discern his will and to follow his guidance right god follow his guidance follow his guidance i love that i love that and further in chapter five paul will go on to contrast the works of the flesh right and with the works of the spirit so he'll say no no like the works of the flesh are obvious chief like this is this clear right this this is these are not the desires of the spirit and the virtues that the spirit are trying to form in you the first three deal with sexual immorality the next two deal with false worship and then the rest of them deal with relating to one another <laughs> right socially communally and then uh, finally, the last two have to do with this pagan feast, right, uh, in the culture and wider society of the Greco-Roman world. Um, and he contrasts these again with the, few, the fruit of the virtues of the spirit that we often read individually, which is fine, but it's clear that Paul meant it communally, right? And um, I love it because even this language, Paul is so, so immersed in these texts of the Old Testament that even this language that he uses for the fruit of the spirit comes 
in Isaiah 32 from Isaiah 32, where he talks about where it says till the spirit is poured out from us on high and the desert becomes a fertile land and the fertile land seems like a forest. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in this fertile field. The fruit of the right of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places in secure homes in undisturbed places of rest. So you see the idea of the, the spirit being poured out. Uh, one the people and that being uh, characteristic of a righteousness among the people right Christ doesn't just uh, save us and give us his righteousness and justification but he actually wants us to live righteous lives by the power of the spirit Galatians chapter 6 Holy Spirit is once again laced all throughout this text and he is the one who empowers us right so it's not just that um, the spirit uh, uh, unites us to Christ it's not just the spirit uh, um comes to live in us not it's not just that the spirit leads us it's that the spirit empowers us right to live the kind of life god calls for us to live right those who are in christ he says this carry one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of christ verse 9 let us not grow tired of doing good for we will reap i love that at the proper time don't miss that if we don't give up therefore as we have opportunity let us work for the good of all especially for those who belong to the household of faith don't miss that clap back in the og language don't miss that clap back in the uh, greek text he says i love the play on words he says uh, at the proper time right and then he says an opportunity and these are the same greek words and paul is saying with a, with a, with a smooth turn of phrase he said no no at the right moment god will, will reward your obedience but in the meantime seize those moments when afforded you to continue to do good for any and for all listen that is essentially the definition of love if you read any uh ancient greek philosophy from from aristotle all the way down to people like paul right who who, who in many ways does follow in that tradition and not in the same exact way i want to be clear about my language here um but many of the same ideas are uh go across but um um go across uh, those thinkers because they are all uh, a part of the Greek-speaking world. Paul is actually a uh, diasporic Jew. He is not a Jew from the land. He is a Jew from the, the wider Greek world. So a lot of the philosophical ideas of the Greeks, uh, you can be found in Paul as well. Whole another combo. But I say all that to say, um, according to the Greek philosophers and the New Testament, to love, right? We talk about loving our neighbor. We talk about loving God, central virtues, right? Um, to love was to seek and will the good of another person all right it was to seek and will the good of another person even according to the new testament here though this is new testament right here he says or or not here he it, it, it means to seek the will and good of another person even those who hate you right even your enemies right and even hear this if it comes at a sacrifice to yourself right like that's the new testament ethic of love right that's what we mean by love we don't mean a feeling all right, contrary to the culture. We don't mean lust, contrary to the culture. We don't mean uh, just doing uh, good to another person when it's convenient, <laughs> right? Contrary to the culture. That is not the way of Christianity, right? And, and this definition of love that the New Testament gives us is, is, is not the way of the world, but it is precisely the way of Jesus, the way of the Messiah, the way of his spirit. I love what Paul says in Galatians chapter two, right? One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body. Listen, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me. How Paul and gave himself for me, right? The sacrifice of Christ is a model 
it's not just how we get saved. It is a model for the life of the saved as well. This is the result of living and walking and keeping in step with the spirit that was graciously given to us as a fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham and a necessary consequence of the life, death and resurrection and enthronement of the Lord Jesus Christ. And according to Paul in Galatians 6, 15, this is the way we provide a picture to the watching world, a preview of the new creation. Let's pray. God, we ask that you will help us to provide a preview of the new creation by walking by the power of the spirit.